lot of time here on the PCOS Repair Podcast talking about female-related fertility issues. But today, I'm really excited to have a colleague here in the fertility space. And today, we're going to be talking together about the male aspect of fertility and how you can assist your partner in boosting his fertility health and some really important things to consider along your fertility journey as a couple as you become parents or as you grow your family and how you can get your partner involved in healthy living changes that are not only going to assist you and support you, but also optimize his sperm quality as you take on this fertility journey together. So I'm super excited to welcome Becca Romero. She is a licensed dietitian and a certified nutrition specialist and the founder of an online fertility nutrition clinic, Little Life Nutrition. Becca specializes in fertility and helps couples who are experiencing fertility challenges using the power of nutrition and lifestyle changes. While practicing at her local clinic in Chicago, Becca started to notice how making a positive impact on diet and lifestyle helped her clients who were struggling to conceive so that they were able to get a positive pregnancy test. Working with couples to improve fertility quickly became a passion of hers and is how her practice, Little Life Nutrition, was born. Her goal is to help couples improve their fertility by improving their overall health so that they can create the family that they have always dreamed of. So with that, help me welcome Becca Romero and let's dive in. You're listening to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of PCOS and how to repair the imbalances in your hormones naturally with a little medical help sprinkled in. Hi, I'm Ashleen Korchek, and with many years of medical and personal experience with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is my joy to watch women reverse their PCOS as they learn to nourish their body in a whole new way. With the power of our beliefs, our mindset, and our environment, and the understanding of our genetics, we can heal at the root cause. Welcome back to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where I'm super excited to have Becca here with me today. Um, we're going to be talking, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the male factor fertility and things that we can do to help our partners optimize their fertility and sperm quality while we are going through our lifestyle adjustments or any medical treatments for fertility in regards to our hormone imbalance and so forth. Becca, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to have you here and have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to speak on this topic um, because it's something that's not talked about enough, I believe. I agree. So before we hit the record button, we were talking about sometimes, in fact, probably more frequently than we would like to admit, the focus gets put on the female. And especially with if there's a diagnosis of um, PCOS or endometriosis or fibroids or things that, um, you know, typically a female will go in and get worked up if there's a problem getting pregnant. And oftentimes, we don't look at what we could do to optimize our male partner. Um, sometimes the doctor will ask them to come in and do a sperm analysis, but oftentimes not. And very little is talked about enough that about what we can do to optimize the male side of fertility. So Becca, you um, work a lot in the fertility department um, with lifestyle changes. What do you think the, so 
starting with a couple struggling to get pregnant. It's been a couple months. Nothing's happening. We've talked on other episodes of what would, what we would do for a female, but what should we start considering for the male partner when it comes to trying to get pregnant when we're struggling? Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and I think really we're looking at the male partner and their overall health is super important. So um, like you said, oftentimes um, the male partner doesn't get a full evaluation. And this is something that I see a lot with my clients is um, the female has gone through extensive testing, but the doctor has never suggested that their partner get a sperm analysis or look at the state of their health at all. Um, so sometimes they do, but oftentimes they don't. And so I think it's, it's important to, even if, even if you're not having fertility struggles or if you are having fertility struggles, to just get a sperm analysis done just to kind of see where you're at. Um, baseline and see if there's any improvements you can make. Um, but we have to remember that making a baby is a team sport and it's not just the female um, that comes into play when we're dealing with having a baby. So um, the male partner's um, sperm health has a big impact on the health of the, I mean, the pregnancy outcome. There are a few studies that um, talk a little bit about you know, how the, the sperm health can impact, so like during to term and, and things of that nature. Um, yeah, so it's very important to kind of get a baseline of what sperm health looks like. And um, there's kind of like this, uh, this concept going around in the fertility space. Um, there's a book called the fifth vital sign that's more geared towards women, um, women's health and fertility. But I think that's something to think about for men as well. So if this, the man's health is not optimal, um, that can often mean that their sperm health isn't optimal. So like sperm health can kind of be a vital sign too for the health of the man. So um, just looking, getting that analysis and looking into what can be done to improve sperm quality and um, and just kind of getting it a good idea where we're at there can be kind of like a good first step in thinking about, you know, do you have an optimal diet and lifestyle already? And if the answer is no, then what can we do to help improve that diet and lifestyle, which will in turn improve the, the quality of the sperm? When you're in your experience, where is um, the best place for people to ask for that? Because I think sometimes when mm -hmm. as women, we see our family med that mm -hmm. they actually probably could direct um, the couple better towards getting a yeah. analysis. But if yeah. you're talking to your OBGYN, they don't mm -hmm. work with men. And right. so yeah. um, how would you suggest as a female kind of getting that information of where should your partner go uh, to get a sperm analysis? Yeah, and that's a great conversation to have. You can definitely have that conversation with your OBGYN and say, you know, I would really like my partner to get a sperm analysis. What is your suggestion? Or you can also, hopefully, your partner will have kind of like a 
general practitioner where they're getting yearly physicals um, and can ask that doctor for sometimes they will the general practitioner will be able to order um, that test but getting that suggestion from or like referral from your general practitioner um, sometimes a urologist if you have a urologist but um, typically your like general practitioner can help facilitate um, getting that testing done. And there are a few like at-home tests that you can do. I don't necessarily recommend them just because you want somebody to um, interpret the data for you and you don't want to get that um, data and be confused on, on what the next steps are. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's more comfortable to do that kind of test in the comfort of your own home. Some offices will send the test home with you and then have you send it back in immediately. It, the shelf life on that type of test is yeah. short. Um, so getting it to the lab, you know, different, different locations of wherever you're located, um, in the world are going to have different options. So that's why we're kind of hedging a little bit, but mm-hmm. you should feel very comfortable asking any health practitioner, um, where they would recommend getting started with asking or being mm-hmm. referred to for that kind of a test. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely not something to be shy about. Um, just because it's not suggested by your healthcare practitioner doesn't mean you can't like advocate for yourself and ask 100%. for that test to be done. 100%. And like Becca said, um, this is something that you're going to want some interpretation <laughs> for. Yeah. You're going to get a bunch of weird numbers. And um, although there's usually a reference range, you're going to want someone who sees these regularly um, to give their input. So ordering it, having your physician order it or having a, um, an expert physician in that, like that's what they specialize in order. It's going to be very helpful for you. Okay. So you get this test ordered and I would recommend, um, you know, requesting this before your doctor starts you on any medications. And so if you're going in and they're recommending something like Clomid or Letrozole, the other thing that I would highly recommend is if your doctor is recommending starting you on Clomid or Letrozole mm-hmm. or some fertility type of medication, um, prior to starting that, this is a really good time to advocate for where should your male partner get tested? Because while you may be ready, you know, and we've talked about this in other episodes, but while you may be ready to go on an infertility medication, um, you're going to go through side effects. There's not, you know, there's going to be things involved with that. And if it was me, I would just want to make sure that everything was as good as it could be with my male partner prior to going down that, that path. Would you agree, Becca? Absolutely. I would agree. That's a, an amazing point because you don't want to, as a woman, you don't want to go through, uh, having to take a medication or even like a procedure before you know that um, you know, the, the sperm isn't impacting what the issue is. So you don't want to take any medications or go through, go through something that you don't have to go through before you, you can rule out that, um, like sperm quality isn't an issue. And it's a really simple thing too. Like when we think about fertility struggles that are female factor, um, there are a number of different reasons. Um, you could be having struggles as a female, but with the male partner, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's like, we'll look at the sperm <laughs> and there's a few different things we can do. Um, and it's, it's simple. Whereas like, um, infertility testing for females can be a lot more extensive. There's a lot more, um, options or reasons why there might be an issue. So it's a very simple thing to 
look at to make sure um, we're good to go in that department. All right. So we, your partner gets tested. Things are pretty good, but maybe not great. Where do we start um, in in optimizing from a lifestyle standpoint? What are some really big things that we would want to make sure? And, and these don't have to be lifelong, but during that phase of life where you're trying to um, start a family or, or extend your family, what are some big things, Becca, that you would recommend men um, consider removing or focusing on as they try to optimize their fertility? Yes, um, that's a great question because, and bring up a good point because while implementing some of these these things can be healthy and really focusing on your diet, just regardless of your fertility goals, can improve your health. This is one of the most important times to really focus on um, your health and your nutrition and your lifestyle because that can have an impact on your future children. Um, in the quality of your sperm. So while hopefully you will choose to implement some of these things just as overall healthy diet and lifestyle changes, um, this is the time that it's most important to do so. Um, and I typically recommend if you can do this for, if you can really focus on your diet and lifestyle for a little longer, that's great. But it takes about three months or about 90 days for sperm to regenerate or to see a positive change um, in your sperm quality. So let's say you do get that sperm analysis done um, and things are, you know, looking okay, but not great. Like you said, um, we can have an impact on that sperm quality in about 90 days, 90 days is what um, research typically shows. Um, so I think the first thing you really want to focus on is your diet. Um and just getting in a healthy diet can be have a major impact on sperm health. So um, there are a lot of different nutrients in the foods that we're um, incorporating that can have a positive effect on um, sperm quality. First of all, I like to suggest getting in a well-rounded diet and not necessarily like excluding any food group. So, you know, a lot of times when we think about going on a diet, we're thinking about, you know, should I do keto? Should I do paleo? Should I do like some like very specific diet? Um, which sometimes those diets tend to cut out specific food food groups, but we really want to focus on um, getting a variety of different foods, getting a variety of different nutrients. So not necessarily the time to try any kind of like crazy crash diet or anything like that. It's more about like optimizing your nutrients and and getting abundance of nutrients versus like that restriction. So I like to recommend just really focusing on getting a variety of different types of proteins, healthy fats, and different types of carbohydrates, focusing on mostly like whole foods. Um, so what I mean by whole foods is we're thinking of things that for the most part, don't come in like a package that don't have um, a nutrition label, or if they do have a nutrition label, they have single ingredients. So um, let's say we're looking, we're getting brown rice, for example, that's going to come in a package most of the time. But if you look at the ingredients uh, on that package, it's just going to say brown rice. You're going to understand what that is, where it came from, um, and it's a single ingredient food. So really focusing on single ingredient foods. Um, focusing on getting your foods from the perimeter of the grocery store. So um, those fruits and vegetables, um, the butcher, things like that. Um, and really just focusing on those single ingredient foods, whole foods versus processed foods, which would be something like 
when you look at the ingredients label, there's going to be a lot of different ingredients in them. So let's say um, like a, a muffin, for example, you're getting a muffin and it has flour and sugar and eggs and maybe some other fillers and things like that, that you're not necessarily sure where they came from. Um, so really focusing on those more whole food ingredients um, versus kind of like those those things that had to go through a processing to get to your plate, um, if that makes sense. So with the um, processed foods, do you, mm-hmm. I know for female fertility, um, I'm not I don't spend as much time talking about male fertility, but do the additives, preservatives and so forth. I mean, I know of some that affect sperm quality, but are they have, have you read any recent research that are showing um, them being problematic to sperm quality? Yeah, I haven't necessarily seen any re- re- recent research um, to say that they have a negative impact on sperm quality, but those types of foods tend to just be less nutrient dense and don't yeah. give you like the biggest bang for your buck where they don't have a lot of nutrition in them. And so you're maybe filling up on foods that are less nutritious um, and not necessarily getting in the vitamins and nutrients that you need. And I'm sure maybe there are some studies that show um, some of those things having negative impact on sperm quality. I'm not sure of any like recent research, but there are a few, I can touch on a few other things like, um, like pesticides and things of that nature that do have more um, recent research um, to show like negative impact on sperm quality. Right. And a lot of the packaged processed foods you're going to find in your grocery store are going to have those in it because they're not made with organic (laughs) ingredients. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you bring up a really good point. It's actually frightening. I've paid attention a couple of times where we're just busy or we're traveling um, what my family eats in a day and how much of the, like, just kind of standard trying to be healthy on the go mm-hmm. food has almost zero, like, nutrients in it. You know, when mm-hmm. you go through and you're like, even a sandwich, like, okay, well, I kind of fit one piece of lettuce in there. There was maybe a little sandwich meat, a cheese and a tomato, but a very small amount of, like, real food. And mm-hmm. a lot of it's just fillers when you look through the ingredients and um, not a lot of real high quality nutrients if you really added up um, the vitamins and antioxidants that you're really getting in that kind of a in that kind of a diet on that note what specific nutrients would you really point out as being important to make sure you're getting I know you want to get a well-rounded if you mentioned well-rounded um, whole foods lots of nourishment mm-hmm. isn't about you know a specific diet are there specific nutrients or antioxidants that you would recommend being as really important? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are some, there is some research um, on specific nutrients that have a positive impact on sperm quality, just to name a few. Vitamin C is really at the top there. Vitamin A, selenium, and zinc are kind of ones that come to top of mind. So um, I know when we think about those nutrients, I'm sure we've all heard of those nutrients, but just thinking about foods that you can get in your diet that contain those nutrients. So vitamin C, we're thinking about like the classic examples like oranges, right? So, but thinking about 
whole foods versus something like an orange juice, just incorporating something like a whole orange. Um, red peppers are extremely high in vitamin C um, and strawberries, things like that. So we think about that. We're also thinking about foods that have um, a lot of color to them. So they're bright, beautiful colors. Um, and vitamin A, we can get that. We can get vitamin A from things like meats. So red meats are a good way to get vitamin A. Um, anything that's kind of like that yellow or yellow or orange in color, sweet potatoes, carrots, things of that nature. Um, with selenium, really thinking about um, nuts and seeds. So Brazil nuts are a really good one there. Um, and then with zinc, um, oysters are an amazing source of zinc. Um, meats and nuts and seeds are also a really good source of zinc. So um, those are some just like foods to mention to really think about starting to incorporate in your diet. Um, but you mentioned antioxidants. So I think this is something that a really important thing to talk about um, and something that's really um, important to incorporate. Um, so with antioxidants, um, I know that's kind of a, a word we might hear a lot when you like read things online about diet. Um, antioxidants are really great for our health. And so what are some foods that um, incorporate antioxidants? So Antioxidants, we might think of like red wine and things like that when we think of antioxidants. That's not necessarily the thing we want to go for when we're trying to conceive or thinking about sperm health. Um, with antioxidants, we want to think about anything that has a bright and beautiful color. Um, so I know I mentioned with like the vitamin C rich food rich foods. Um, those are all like beautifully colored, like orange and yellow and red colors. Um, so any fruit, vegetable, or even like a food that has um, a bright color to it is typically going to contain some level of antioxidant. So a good way to put that into practice, something I like to tell my clients is whenever you're having a meal, make sure you are incorporating something that has a bright color to it. So like you were mentioning with your sandwich, sometimes when we're busy, you know, we're going for convenience foods and things like that. And if we look at like at the nutrient, or I'm sorry, the, like the breakdown of what your meal is, let's say you have, um, you know, like a, a sandwich with some meat on there. And you said maybe like a lettuce or tomato or something like that. The bread's kind of like this white color. The meat's kind of more of like a brown color. Um, those are, you know, those have a place in our diet, but we're really missing kind of like those antioxidants there. So maybe thinking about like adding a side of blackberries or something like that, just to get that bright color. Um, and an another way to think about antioxidants and what they can do um, is things that when you like cut them up and put them on the counter, they're not going to go brown really quickly. So another good example I like to use is while a banana is a healthy food and it's a fruit and something we can incorporate into our diet that's going to be beneficial, it's not necessarily something that's super high in antioxidants. So if we compare like a, a banana to something like a strawberry, so let's say we take our banana, peel it, cut it up, put it on the counter, and then forget about it for maybe like 10 minutes and come back 
we might see that banana start to become brown. Um, and that is a sign of oxidation. So um, when we think about the term antioxidants, we're thinking about something that's against oxidation. Um, and so when we have a fruit or a vegetable or a food that's bright in color and it can like sit out on the counter for a little while and not necessarily change its color, or look brown in any way, um, that's a food that we can consider to be high in, in antioxidants. And that's something that can kind of like fight any damage going on in the body and can help um, protect sperm from being damaged in any way from any type of like environmental like um, oxidation or environmental stress or stress from our diet, things of that nature. That's a really good segue into what are some of the things that like oxidative stresses that can have a very negative impact on male fertility? Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about diet, um, things that can cause oxidative stress are alcohol intake. Um, so that's something that I think is really important to look at um, when you're thinking about conceiving is, are you somebody who's drinking alcohol on a regular basis? And how can we cut that back? Um, that's something that can cause um, oxidative stress in the body. Um, having alcohol is definitely a big one. Um, another cause of oxidative stress in the body um, is ex- something called excess omega-6 fatty acids. So um, this would come from like oils that were used in cooking um, or even trans fats, things of that nature. Um, so Oils that are processed at a high heat um, can be inflammatory for the body and can cause oxidative stress. So we're thinking about, you know, fried foods, um, things of that nature. So when you think about how a French fry is made, it's typically heated at a really high heat with oil. um, And that heating process can definitely cause those um, oils to become damaged and can cause that oxidative stress in your body. Um, so that's something to think about, like limiting fried foods um, and and foods with oils that are heated at extremely high heats. And typically fried foods are the biggest offender there. Um, some Quick oil- question with that. Yes. Um, if there are certain types of oils that are typically less healthy and then ones yeah. that are typically more healthy, and there are some that you can have um, that you can heat a little bit higher than others. What are some of the ones that would be the most healthy for men to be cooking with during a period of, I mean, like you said, we want our general health to be good all the time, but if you're trying to be extra careful during like a 90 day period to really boost that sperm count and quality, what are some of the best oils to be cooking at, um, or cooking with during yeah. that period? Yeah, great question. So um, oils that will have a higher smoke point, so they don't um, they don't oxidize at that higher heat. They still might um, if they get too hot, but typically the ones that are safer to cook with are going to be things like avocado oil, coconut oil. Um, I also really like to recommend butter for cooking because it's delicious and it has the high um, smoke points. And if you get a nice grass fed, um, high quality butter, that's going to have a lot of wonderful nutrients in there too. So, and coconut oil, I'm not sure if I mentioned that one, coconut oil. Um, so the kind of like top ones I recommend avocado oil, coconut oil, and butter for cooking at high heat, um, at home are all great options. 
And the problem is, is that when you eat out, they're not usually using these. They're usually using some sort of, you know, not great um, vegetable oil, such as canola oil or something similar to that. Um, right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's a great point, too. If you're a family that eats out a lot or if you, you know, you're going into the office and you're going out to eat with your coworkers every day, that's something to think about is, doing an analysis of how often are you eating out? And typically you're not going to be getting the most high quality oils when you're eating out. Even if you're ordering like a salad or something like that, that's a great option. But typically they're using some of these oils that can be a little bit more inflammatory in dressings and things like that. So um, just doing an analysis of how often you're eating out and and you obviously want to go out and have, you know, meals out with friends and family and things like that. But just um, thinking about that in that time when you're thinking about trying to conceive, trying to limit um, the amount of times that you're going out to eat when possible, because you, you just can't necessarily control um, what type of oils they're using and Typically that can, eating out, there's a lot of fried foods involved and things like that. So just doing a little analysis uh, on that and making sure you're not getting those um, inflammatory oils in places that you might not necessarily be thinking about. All right. So I had interrupted you on that side note and you were talking about um, the different types of food related oxidative stresses um, mm -hmm. and, and other, and then we'll get to the other oxidative stresses as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, those oils are definitely one to, to look out for. And then another thing that I think is important to talk about, um, is trans fats. Um, so this is something that's not as common as it used to be because there's been a lot of, um, you know, regulations on like artificial trans fats. And we used to be using a lot of like, um, I can't believe it's not butter and things of that nature, which I, Fortunately, are less common these days because there's been a lot of um, information that's come out on how those things aren't beneficial for our health. But it is important to to kind of like read the ingredients on foods that you're buying. And a good example of this, I recently had actually a few clients bring this product to my attention. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, making sure you're getting adequate protein intake and, and things of that nature. There, There's um, a tortilla that is uh, tortilla. It's like tortillas with added protein. And it sounds really healthy, um, but it's more of like a processed food, right? So when you really look at the ingredients, that has something called um, hydrogenated oil in it, which is a trans fat. And so that's something that you want to look out for. Um, just if you are, you know, buying processed foods or foods in packages that may seem healthy because they have, you know, they have added spinach to them or they have added protein to their tor tortillas and things of that nature. You really want to do your research, look at the ingredients and and um, make sure that there's not anything like trans fats, which the kind of like code name for that is a hydrogenated oil. Um, so that's something to look out for, something that can cause oxidative stress in the body as well. Um, and then I would say the last one is just making sure you're avoiding high intake of sugar. Um, so things like sodas, um, candies, things of that nature um, are going to, things that have a really high sugar content are going to cause oxidative stress in the body as well. Awesome. So outside of diet, what kind of lifestyle adjustments or things to watch, things to, 
do and things, maybe start with things not to do. And then we'll get to the things to do outside of um, diet for improving male factor fertility. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it's really important to, to know some of the things that can, that are part of your lifestyle that could have a negative impact on your fertility. Um, and so the first one being um, tobacco use or, you know, smoking cigarettes, using e-cigarettes, things of that nature. That's something going back to oxidative stress in the body. That's something that can cause major oxidative stress in the body. Um, and there are numerous, numerous studies to show that Tobacco use, um, smoking cigarettes and e-cigarettes can cause um, sperm damage. So that's something that we truly, truly want to avoid um, in that period where you're trying to, where you're preparing for having a baby, trying to conceive. So tobacco use um, is definitely one of those things. And on that same note is um, marijuana use as well. You know, if there's if your partner is smoking marijuana, um, that's definitely something that can impact fertility. And I know there's a lot of like medical uses for marijuana and things of that nature, but um, being mindful of the way that it's, um, you know, it's being delivered into your body. Um, and typically that like action, action of smoking is going to cause oxidative stress in the body. Um, so marijuana use is definitely something to avoid um, in that, that period of, um, trying to conceive. You mentioned, um, smoking it, but I believe also just consuming it in any form is probably. Yes. Consuming it in any form, it's definitely going to be more harmful, um, (laughs) if it's, if it's smoked, um, but just the use in general is, is something to, to avoid. Yeah. That one's been known to, to have a definite impact on sperm. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything? And there's not a lot of research on it yet because it's all fairly new. Have you heard anything about the use of CBD? Mm, I have heard a little bit about it. You know, I haven't. It seems kind of mixed. The the research. I haven't. It doesn't seem like there's anything like super. Uh, you know blaringly obvious about it. I hadn't heard a lot of, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of research on it because it's a fairly new um, thing on the, on the market that people are using in in larger quantities. Um, And then there's different applications of it, of course, how much, you know, would be absorbed if you're using it topically versus taking it orally. Um, Mm -hmm. My OBGYN, one of my best friends who's an OBGYN, she has some significant concerns about it for women who are pregnant or trying to get pregnant. But again, OBGYN, she doesn't work with the men as much. So I didn't know if you'd heard on that. That's definitely something to look into. And I think it's just best to, if you're unsure, it's best just to, to avoid. And, um, just because it's not worth it, right? Like if there's something where you have to question it, I think the overall, you know, general theme would be to just avoid it because you never know. Um, so if you, if you feel, if you find yourself questioning, is this safe? Um, it's probably best just to avoid it overall. So. Well, I think that's a good, um, general rule is what we're trying to say here is there's a lot of these health lifestyle adjustments that would be amazing to do all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. but if, but during a time, especially if you, you know, had your sperm analysis show any sign of 
there may be some factor coming from the male side of not being able to conceive taking, you know, nine, at least 90 days, and then even a little bit longer, if it's still taking a little bit longer to get pregnant. So like, maybe you would say, okay, we're going to, my female partner is going to go on Clomid or Letrozole in, let's give this 90 days to kind of see how far the male factor can get things really improved and optimized. And then from there, hopefully things move along quickly and you don't have too long, but you know, keep, keep it that optimal pace for a while. Mm -hmm. Then you don't have to stay at maybe like that aiming for perfection. We can't live aiming for perfection, but if we do our best during this period of life, um, it can really decrease the stress of trying to conceive. And I think that it can be something that can be really bonding in that we're in this together as compared to it putting all of the weight on one person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of these lifestyle changes that we're talking about are you know, equally beneficial for both partners, which is also nice. It's not like you're supposed to do this and then you're supposed to do that. And there's no crossover. They they really cross over quite nicely. Yes, absolutely. On that line of things that you would be doing specifically in this window of time, you had mentioned before we hit record um, a couple of things that aren't necessarily unhealthy, but you may want to avoid during this time of trying to conceive for the male partner. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is a por- important conversation to have because I don't think it's as well known as like, we know that um, smoking tobacco is probably not the best idea and smoking marijuana might not be the best idea. Um, but there are a few things that could be healthy otherwise um, in a period that you're not trying to see- conceive. Um, and some of those things have to do with um some of those things incorporate heat. And so what we want to avoid um, for the male partner is having, um, you know, the like scrotum being um, exposed to excess heat. And that's something that can um, cause sperm damage. So sperm are very delicate. And if there is excess like um heat in that area, then that could be damaging to the sperm. And so some of those things to think about are if you're somebody who likes to use a hot tub, um, that is something that might not be the best idea when you're trying to focus on your sperm health because um, that is increasing scrotal temperature and that is something that can definitely damage sperm. Um, Another thing is um, using sauna quite often. So if you're somebody who likes to go to the gym and sit in the sauna after you work out, something to really try to avoid during that period, because again, that's raising your full body temperature. um, And that's something we want to try to avoid. Another thing that we might not necessarily think of when it comes to increasing that temperature is like using laptops. Um, So like if you're somebody who likes to sit on the couch and like use your laptop, um, you have your computer on your lap and sometimes, you know, that computer can really heat up um, and cause an increased temperature in that area as well. So making sure you're using like a laptop desk or just putting it on um, the coffee table, something like that, making sure you're not having that direct contact um, with laptops. Um, and then another thing too is just like um, biking a lot is something that can cause um, increased 
scrotal temperature as well and kind of like compression in that area as well. So if you're doing a lot of Peloton riding and things like that, not something you need to like completely avoid, but maybe something to not do every single day. Um, and that can definitely cause a little bit of, of damage as well. And those are things where, you know, you could try to um, increase the airflow with fans, air conditioned you know, area that you're in more ventilated clothing, maybe less thick, tight type, um, biking pants or shorts that to kind of help, you know, optimize that, but just things to kind of keep in mind, especially, you know, and you can take it into consideration with exactly what your specific analysis, you know, showed and to what degree you're trying to improve things. Mm -hmm. But um, cause you know, exercise is good, but like, um, Becca was saying, mix, mix it up. <laughs> Maybe right. don't do that don't, one every day. Yeah. But. Don't bike every day. Things like that. Yeah. And these are all like, kind of like we mentioned, these are all healthy habits. Like using a sauna can help like, you know, increase sweating and detoxification and biking is a healthy form of exercise, but just things we want to be aware of in this very delicate time. So I know sometimes, um, weight becomes a conversation on the female side of fertility mm-hmm. and that can be kind of a sensitive frustrating topic of um especially with PCOS what about for the male side do you um do you feel like the being kind of overweight or an unhealthy weight plays a part in male fertility yes absolutely and there are definitely some studies out there to show that um, obesity can definitely impact male fertility. Um, And being at a higher weight than we would like can definitely, um, you know, it can definitely impact your sperm health. Um, It can definitely impact like kind of like we were talking about, you know, if you have excess body fat and like your leg area can definitely um, increase temperatures and things of that nature as well. And there are definitely some studies on that to show that like, um, you know, an increased weight can have an impact on, um, on that sperm health in that way, but also just like your overall health. If you are somebody who isn't considered to be at a healthy weight, um, typically your overall, you know, health may be um, not the most optimal. Um, so I think, you know, I don't think you need to lose mass amounts of weight to have healthy um, lifestyle, but just like really focusing on incorporating some of these healthy habits is something that can have still have a positive impact on your weight and can also as a side effect help with that. So I think focusing more on like incorporating those healthy lifestyle factors and um, healthy diet um, and avoiding some of those um, things that cause oxidative stress like we talked about can have a positive side effect of losing a little bit of weight as well. So we kind of um, said biking wasn't so great, but how how would you say that fitness and workouts and exercising fits into fem- or to, into male factor fertility? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so exercise is definitely something that can have a positive effect. I mean, it's something that can, um, you know, just have an overall positive effect on our health. Um, and having more of a sedentary lifestyle can um, have negative impacts on our health. So 
Um, we do want to incorporate regular exercise to, is that something that can help with maintaining a healthy weight um, and things of that nature? So regular exercise can definitely be helpful for an overall healthy body, healthy fertility and term. Um, we, but we also don't want to over-exercise. Um, so we want to incorporate a healthy, moderate amount of exercise, but um, something to consider too is over-exercising sometimes can cause um, oxidative stress as well. And that is something that um, is something to consider. You know, we don't want to be over-exercising um, and making sure if you are somebody that exercises a lot, making sure you're staying nourished to um, refuel your body if you are doing um, a lot of exercise in general. That's a really good point. Um, I think probably the average American or average person more and more as our societies get really busy are not necessarily over exercising. There are definitely the few that are. Um, and so check in with your body if you're getting, you know, overly fatigued or if you are constantly feeling like you're needing to recover from a previous workout. But it's, um, really important to, as we kind of pull all this together, um, what I'm hearing you say is while fitness is important, while a healthy weight is important, we don't want to go on a crazy, um, fast paced increase in our exercise. We want to pace ourselves and gradually increase so that our body does it in a way that doesn't stress ourselves out. Right. Um, but we also don't want to diet in a restrictive way because we want those nutrients. And so while mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk right now in the diet industry of macro counting, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I think, and, and I would like to know what your thoughts on this are. I think that that can be a really smart way to understand some of the food groups that you're choosing. However, I think that with macro counting, a lot of people doing it on Instagram and what they're showing in their meal plans include a lot of processed foods. And mm. they're just focused on that nutrition label for their macros, meaning their protein and carbohydrate intake primarily. Mm -hmm. And they're not focusing on nutrients. Would right. you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And that, that's such a great point is like, we, there is this buzz around macro counting for weight loss and, um, you know, meeting your, you know, lean muscle mass goals and things of that nature. And you can definitely achieve those things just by, you know, focusing on your macros, but is that really going to lead to the healthiest body, right? So, um, if you're not really focusing on those more of those micronutrients as well, which is something that actually is the, has the biggest impact on your sperm health is having those vitamins and minerals in your diet. Um, that's something you want to consider, right? If you, if you're having lots of protein, but it's not necessarily like a nutrient dense protein, um, or if you're having, um, lots of, if you're hitting your carb goal, but it's not necessarily like a nutrient dense carb goal, um, you're, you're not going to really benefit your, your overall health and your sperm quality there. Um, and that's something that, you know, like you mentioned, if you're just looking at nutrition labels and looking at those macronutrients and not necessarily like those ingredients um, or what it actually contains, and you could definitely hit macro goals, but you might not have the healthiest, um, most nutrient dense diet. That colorless sal uh, sandwich that we were talking about might meet those macro goals, but you didn't right. miss out on all the nutrients. So exactly. I think, you know, it sounds like a lot of information, but basically what we're, what it boils down to is get moving at a healthy pace 
increase mm-hmm. slowly. Don't overstress your body. Eat those whole foods. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like massive changes. Small baby steps in this direction mm-hmm. are going to make a, a big impact over 90 days. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like really focusing on um, like adding a color to each of your meals can have that that big impact. And like you said, I think the overall theme is um, we don't oftentimes when we think about, you know, maybe losing weight or that can equal like being healthy. Um, it's more about like the things that you want to incorporate versus the things that you want to restrict and adding more abundance to your meals. And hopefully that's like encouraging to people to know that, um, that you don't have to restrict certain, you know, you don't have to restrict your foods or your diet to, to make positive changes. It's more about adding nutrients, adding healthy foods to what you're already doing. Exactly. Just like back to that gray colored sandwich. If you just can add some color to your plate, even if that's what you normally Mm -hmm. grab on your lunch break, you know, adding, like you said, bell peppers and other things that have some vibrant color, um, blackberries Mm -hmm. or things like that. If you can pack some of that to go with it, um, that's making a good step in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would feel is really important for our listeners today to hear about um, in order to optimize male fertility? Yes. Um, I think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that I uh, think is important to touch on is, and this is something that I feel like is relatively new um, in the space, but there's a, a lot of research about different nutrients that can help um, improve sperm quality. And while it is recommended typically for women to start taking a prenatal before um, conceiving or, you know, hopefully you're doing it a little bit before you conceive, but, um, you know, to start taking a prenatal when you are pregnant, um, there are now something called a men's prenatal. Um, and I think this is really fun and important, um, because it, it's more of that like team aspect, right? You both have to do things to, um, to prepare for a pregnancy. It's kind of like, you know, that team sport that we're talking about and men can do things too, to help improve their fertility and make sure they have um, optimal nutrient stores. And so something that is kind of like an easy thing to implement, you know, while your partner's taking their prenatal, you can take a prenatal too as the male partner. And those are typically supplements that are well-researched to have those nutrients that are going to help to improve sperm quality. Um, and it's just kind of like an insurance policy. We definitely want you to focus on your diet first. Um, but having like a, a vitamin, almost it's like almost like a multivitamin that can, um, that is more targeted towards improving your sperm health can be a really simple and easy way to, um, optimize your male fertility. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually, I meant to ask about supplements. That's awesome. Thank you for yeah. pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Any other things that we haven't touched on yet that we need to make sure our listeners hear today? Um, I think we hit on a lot of them. I will say I do have, I know this is like a lot of information and it can be helpful to have a resource to go to. Like if you, you know, maybe want to, um, like help your partner um, better understand what they need to be doing to help optimize their fertility. There's a wonderful book that I like to recommend called um, 
Ewing Male Fertility, and it's a very short and like easy read, and it's broken down into very simple sections. It's not like this overwhelming diet book or anything like that. So I think that's a really great resource um, to point to um, if you're looking to kind of get more information. If this uh, this episode is something that really kind of like piqued your interest and you want to learn more, um, I like to recommend that book to my clients because it's a very easy read, easy to digest information. Um, it's just like a great resource to have. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And then you also have a resource um, that you were willing to share with the listeners today um, about the foundations of fertility. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And of course, I will put the links in the show notes so they can easily grab that. Wonderful. Yes, I have on my website, I have um, a free guide that you can download. It's called the Fertility Foundations Diet Guide, um, and it will kind of hit on a lot of the things we talked about today, different whole foods to incorporate an example of like what a healthy fertility plate can look like for you and your partner. Um, so it's really relevant there. So that's called the uh, Fertility Foundations Diet Guide, and you can um, get that on my website. Perfect. And I'll, I'll link to it so they can easily find that. And then where um, can listeners find you on social media if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you do and um, more about how to optimize um, both female and male fertility? Yeah, wonderful. So um, I own an online nutrition business called Little Life Nutrition. Um, and so that's my website is littlelifenutrition.com. And my Instagram handle is just at littlelifenutrition. Um, so if you want to connect with me, you can send me a DM on Instagram, or you can also head to my website, um, or you can, there's a, a link to email me there on my website as well. So you can connect with me um, either on Instagram or via email. Awesome. Thank you, Becca, so much for joining us today. This was a really fun episode on an entirely different topic than um, I've spent a lot of time on before here on the podcast. So I really appreciate you coming and um, sharing all of your uh, great information. I know it's going to be of a lot of value to the listeners today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right. Until next time. Bye for now. Did you know that studies of PCOS epigenetics have shown that our environment can either worsen or completely reverse our PCOS symptoms? I believe that although PCOS makes us sensitive to our environment, it also makes us powerful. When we learn what our body needs and commit to providing those needs, not only do we gain back our health, but we grow in power just by showing up for ourselves. This is why I've created a guide for you to get started. My PCOS Fertility Meal Guide can be found in the show notes below. I want to show you how to create an environment that promotes healing while still being able to live a life that you enjoy. This guide is completely free, so go get your copy now so that you can step into the vision that you have for your life and for your health.